The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, by Crossmark Services, and Roto Speaks. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Before we get started, Mike. It's every week. I man, like I like it. You've got a story, right? I got a quick story for right, you. Okay. Now, Mike, you know, you're a musically inclined guy. I uh, I play some music. Right. Yeah. And I'm not, but there are certain bands that I appreciate and I enjoy. And sometimes we like the same music, sometimes we don't. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's Personal all right. preference. Sure. But you know, one of my all time favorite bands is the Beastie Boys. The now, rappers. Oh, all right. Now that would not have made my list. I know. Yeah. You're not a big rapper. <laughs> But but enjoying their songs, there is a, a line from one of their famous raps, and it goes like this. I'm not going to rap. I'm just going to say it. Okay. But Are the you guy sure, said, John? Go ahead, No, man. no, I'm not. I'm not, no. But he says, I got more rhymes than Jamaica's got mangoes. And I'm like, oh, oh wow. there you go. Oh. Right. And so we have a guest today, and <laughs> she's going to talk about a book, and it has to do with mangoes and living a life Fully. And our guest, how's that for intro? Now, John, that, that was amazing. Right? I think you get the award for that one, man. <laughs> That's great. So we have like with it. us my friend Tanya Wilson. Tanya, are, they, are you there? I am there, live and direct. Thank there you, you go. And you wrote a book. You know, you and I actually met in a business context, but you wrote a book, and I believe it's called Living the Mangolicious Life. Is that correct, that that's the title of the book? Yes, you got it. And got so, it. tell Tanya, tell us about your book. I want to hear about this book. I want to hear about mangoes and all things about what's going on with you. Tell us about the book. All right. So, John, thank you for having me on your show. Really excited to be here. Uh, the title of the book, again, is Living the Mangolicious Life. Um, the subtitle gives it away. It says tips and tips in surviving and thriving beyond seasons of adversity. Um, so the mangoicious life is really a mindset. I've used the mango as a metaphor. And the mango, as you know, John, is such a relatable fruit. You know, whether you're from Jamaica or you're from Asia or Africa or Latin America, um, it really reigns as the king of fruit. Everyone loves it. You know, Haiti has their mangoes of mango francique and folks in Thailand, they have the Namdok mango. It's one of those universal fruits. So I've used it as a metaphor to really describe the seasons of life. Um, some of us have seasons that are prosperous, there's happy seasons, we're celebrating, it's succulent. Um, but there's seasons of life, you know, in reality that are not so succulent. They're tardy, they're harsh, they're bitter, and we wish we could skip those seasons. Um, but altogether, the reality is that we live a life that is sweet and sour. Um, like the mango, you have different seasons and stages of life. And if we can embrace that, then it becomes a little bit more tolerable when we go through these seasons of adversity. So I've coined the phrase mangalicious life to really describe the sweet and sour journey that we find ourselves on. Well, I love that. First off, because I love mangoes. I mean, who doesn't love mangoes? Mangoes are fantastic. Right? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> At the same time, I, I had a visual when I was a little, little boy. Uh, we lived in Orlando and in our backyard, I think we had a dozen orange trees. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you could go back there and pick them off and eat them. But then they would drop and they would rot and all that kind of stuff. So I hear what you're saying, that there are things that can be wonderful and beautiful and other times, you know, not so beautiful. So 
why don't you tell us a little about your personal story? Like, what got you to the place that you wanted to write this book? Ah, good question. So I, I've battled several seasons of adversity in this um, not-so-long life. You know, I consider myself relatively young and have always had a very successful career. I'm an urban planner by training. You know, I've been a government executive for over 25 years. Um, so I've, I've, by and large, had a pretty good life. But when I had my first season of adversity, uh, John, it knocked the wind out my sail. It's not something I was prepared for. It's not something I thought about. You know, you go to college and they teach you the tools of success. Um, nobody teaches you the tools of hardship and battle and how you recover from those seasons. Um, there I was, very young at the time. You know, my husband and I were preparing for our first child. Uh, we did all the preparations of the house and getting ready, um, not realizing that we were about to encounter one of the most difficult seasons in our young lives as young professionals, as a new family. Um, my daughter came 28 weeks, premature, mm. very early, um, no warning signs. I was actually preparing to go to a conference that weekend, um, not realizing that I would have been encountering one of the worst battles of my life at the time. So she came 28 weeks early, uh, bleeding in the brain, holes in the heart. She was an absolute mess. And I could not figure out, you know, for us, how did we end up in this place of what we thought was supposed to be one of the most blissful experiences? Here we were encountering, um, as first-time parents, one of the most difficult chapters were now we were encountering a critically ill child that had to map our way through the NICU, uh, no book or preparation for that aspect. You know, it's not the parenthood type of chapter that you thought you found yourself in. Um, but there are things that we learned in that season, you know, is that life doesn't give you a path. Um, there are times that you can encounter um, seasons of difficulties that really would cause you now to return or to find places of refuge just to cope through that season so that you can survive and not only survive but thrive so we found ourselves in a four-month battle with this newborn infant we were able to make it through uh, the NICU experience um, and she was able to fully recover even though she was premature at birth the support that I got from the work community from the family from the church um, I could not have gotten through that passage without the support of the family system that was there so we encountered that and figured, okay, we got our one stripe in life of becoming um, parent survivors of the NICU, the newborn ICU, and encountering a child that had critical needs. We survived it and we did well. On her one-year birthday, John, <laughs> I found a lump in my breast. Mm. I could not believe it. And I just dismissed it and said, nah, this is just like a fluke of nature because certainly God could not be giving me this encounter because I've already had my stripes in life. Um, by this time, I was 29 years old, very young. So in my mind, it certainly couldn't have been anything very serious. But my husband encouraged me. He said, still go to the doctor and check it out. When I went to the doctor, she said, let's just do an ultrasound. Ultrasound came back abnormal. And okay, let's do a biopsy. And even at this point, the warning signs weren't going off that I was entering into a second season of adversity. A year after the first battle that we thought was the worst, this was getting even deeper. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. So here we were now in this uncertain place of she has a lump and she's still caring for a critically ill child. How do we encounter this on the second chapter of our season so close to what happened just a year ago? Um, and as we progressed through the screening, finally the doctor sat me down after the biopsy was done and said, ma'am, we just want to explain that you have ductal carcinoma. Mm. I'd never heard those words before. And for me, 
it almost sounded like a foreign language and it wasn't something I associated with me. Fit as a fiddle, vegetarian my entire life, exercise, could run a five, 5K. It just didn't fit with what I thought was the script for a successful life. How could this be ascribed to me? And then he broke it down and said, ma'am, you have breast cancer. John, it took the wind out my sail. Mm. <laughs> it took the wind out my sail. I couldn't figure out and reconcile how did I follow the checklist of life and did all the right things? And here I was on the second season of adversity. I don't mean just a bad day. You're talking about a weapon of warfare that just was unleashed on your life. A year after you just emerged and barely survived the first battle with parenthood, here I was now in this amazing battle, unbelievable battle. And here we were now battling through this season of now a health crisis. Um, went through the battle with breast cancer for over two years, fighting for my life. I mean, everything that I could do from praying, fasting, eating foods, um, I just couldn't get around this Red Sea experience. It was upon me and there was no way of fasting around it or under it. I really just had to go through it. Having gone through it, John, I emerged on the other side as a whole new woman. I wasn't the same, um, a new woman that had a new outlook on life, one who recognized that life certainly does not only come with beautiful seasons because you prepared yourself that way, recognizing that, yes, you do have a career that is driven and you do have aspirations that are high, but in the season of that, there's still a level of uncertainty that you are not in control. Um, it's a difficult thing to encounter, John, when you're such a process planner. Remember, I'm an urban planner. I plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I plan. Um, but I recognize in that moment that even with our best planning, John, it is God who orders our steps. Um, and even in that season, John, I had to come to the acceptance that I was not in control. And if I was going to get through the season, I had to be in a place of full surrender and acceptance that he knew my future and that he had a purpose to prosper me and not harm me and to give me a future and a hope. So I walked through that season, John, and here I am 15 years later as a breast cancer survivor, no, 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 as a warrior <laughs> who has overcome difficult seasons. And in sitting back and looking at these seasons of trials and these successive seasons of adversity, I said, how can I have these salient lessons learned and keep them to myself? And I thought about my absolute desire and passion for mangoes. And I said, you know what? I'm going to write a book with these lessons learned um, for other young people and young professionals and women and family folks so that they too can understand the tools that are needed to be able to um, meander and work through these seasons of adversity and to know um, that tomorrow, there is a better tomorrow beyond these dark seasons that we go through. Sometimes it can be a little bit disheartening, John. Um, but if only we can see um, with eyes of faith that there's something beyond that present season, it gives us the momentum and the propensity to push forward. And I'll stop there. <laughs> well, you, you were right on time. It's kind of a miracle how you did that. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> And uh, Tanya, you've inspired me to have a bacon cheeseburger today because, man, you know, like, listen, if that vegetarian gets you cancer, I'm going to go out on, on top. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and be right back with my friend Tanya Wilson here at the Crossman Conversation.
Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. Crossmark Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world to people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, hapless, and hopeless, and is currently serving earthquake survivors in Syria. Share the love and joy of Christ and give the gift of a hope-filled future to someone in desperate need. Learn more at FrontierPartners.org. That's FrontierPartners.org. Once again, here is John Crossman. We are back here at the Crossman Conversation with Tanya Wilson. And, you know, Mike, you know, I know Tanya professionally. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's how we know each other is through real estate. Yeah. And, you know, she's an urban planner. So we had that connection point, right? And then kind of got connected, you know, through some, you know, talking about our personal lives. And, you know, in the story mm-hmm. she's saying, you know, Mike, you, you lost a child. Right. You went through a very difficult season. You know, I went through a season with mm-hmm. clinical depression. So, you know, when she's saying this, like, you know, we, we get it and trying to help provide resources, Absolutely. right, to people who are going through stuff, stuff, even when they're business professionals, we think they got it all together, but man, some people mm-hmm. just survive it. And Tanya, I have to ask this, how's the baby? Is the baby okay? Uh, so Mariah is doing well, you know, she's now 15 years old and wow. living her best life. You know, in her early years, she had some struggles, but she's on the spelling bee, plays the piano. Um, really a testament that God restores. So she's doing very well. Thank you for asking. That is so awesome. That's so awesome. So tell me this. Can you just highlight one one example in the book about how people can get in, through tough times, like and have hope and survive and, and get through it like, like you did? Can you give us an example? Ah, wonderful. Yeah. So I actually share um, five tips you know, five lessons learned and takeaways. So I'll share a couple of the five, because of course I want the folks to go read the book and get the other five. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, 
So the first one is uh, finding refuge. I think so often, especially as busy professionals, you know, we sometimes pull away when we're going through difficult seasons. And it may be embarrassing. You don't want anyone to know that you've been diagnosed with depression or you've been diagnosed with cancer or you're having um, a family battle, you know. Um, but it's so important to find those places of refuge. For some people, that refuge place is meditation and worship. Um, for some folks like me, I'm a nature lover and a tree hugger. Um, I found that going into nature and finding that place of reset and peace helped me endure. Um, for some, it's really family time, you know, bonding with the ones they love and finding a place of hope. So, I, you know, I talk about in the book the importance when you're going through seasons of adversity, um, not to isolate yourself in that adversity, but find places of refuge that will help you to sustain and help you to move forward. Um, the second one that I mentioned is also the fact that we should recognize that there's value in every season. Um, and what I mean by that, John, is that sometimes we discard negative seasons as this was the worst season in my life, um, or this season is one that I wish I could rewrite or just tear that page out of the book. Um, when we look at nature, there's so many salient lessons that we could extract from nature. Um, looking at the mango, John, every mango goes through a cycle, right? So right now we're looking at this abundance of blossoms and abundance of blooms um, in the mangoes across South Florida. But there's a stage where the mango tree was dormant in the winter. There was nothing there. Then there were buds. Then the buds got bigger. Then the mangoes matured. And then there was time for harvest. Um, and it's very similar in our own lives that there is a period of dormancy. Sometimes there's a period where we need to be reset. There's times that we need to be challenged. For some people, it takes a job loss for them to become entrepreneurs. You know, for some people, there may be a death or something difficult in their lives. And all of a sudden, you know, there's a new type of artistic form that's born in them. They start painting. Um, it's important when we go through these seasons of adversity, John, to have a time of reflection where we can find value even in those difficult seasons um, and to find the fact that those seasons have a purpose and oftentimes um, those seasons are where we have our greatest growth. can be difficult to yeah. see it when yeah. we're in the season. But, John, oftentimes when we reflect, we realize that it's in those seasons that we've gotten deeper in our faith. It's in those seasons that we recognize the fragility of life. Um, and it's in those seasons that we may even get closer to other family members because of what we have as a shared type of um, adversity. So those are two things that I've shared in the book, you know, the ability to find refuge. And then the other one is to find meaning and value, even in those difficult seasons of adversity. And then I'll leave the other three so you have an opportunity <laughs> to go read the book. It's because everyone needs to read it. <laughs> everyone needs to read Live in the Mangalicious Life. When, when, I, when I hear you say that on the first point, one of the things that jumps out to me is that some people might mistakenly hear refuge as a reason to isolate, right? Like sometimes people yeah. are like, I'm in a bad space, so I'm going to go uh, play video games for three hours. Or, you know, like Mike's always telling me about these crazy Netflix shows he watches. No, I'm the one that watches crazy Netflix shows, not what, Mike. What, what, what? Not Mike, it's me. <laughs> but, but so when we do that, like sometimes that just might be zoning out. But that's not yes. filling us up. You're talking about filling up. Like you're saying, yes. hey, if you go yes. for a walk in nature yes. with a friend, and while you're yes. walking and you're getting the vitamin D from the sun and you're looking at yes. plants and animals yes. and you're feeling the grass on your toes and you're talking mm -hmm. about your feeling, that's mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. refuge. It's giving you life. Did I get that right? That's what you're really talking about. Yes, you did. You did. You did. You know, it reminds me of a scripture um, that says that God is a refuge and strength, a present help in time of trouble. Um, so you think of a refuge as a thing, a place, a person of escape, you know? Um, and it's the important thing that you just said is, you know, finding a friend to go to the park with, and even if the friend is not there, um, using that place as an opportunity um, to be in escape from the troubles, the obvious troubles that are around you, it's still it's still okay to find those places of refuge and really not throw a pity party, woe is me for myself, um, but being okay, finding those places of safety or finding a shelter in a time of storm, um, so to speak, is healthy and helps you to be able to cope during those times of adversity. Well, and Jesus rested, right? Like sometimes we get in a mindset of that we need to be last all the time and take care of everybody else, but that can get us into some dangerous exhaustion. On On your second point, when I went through that clinical depression, I will never forget this moment. Um, a friend of mine, two friends of mine came over and I was telling them what was going on. And the one friend laughed and I'm like, Mm. why is this person laughing when I'm talking about having this issue of depression? And she looked Mm. at me and she said, God is onboarding something into you. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And to Mm. your port, to your point, Tanya, as I reflect on it, that was mm-hmm. 100% truth. I'm not the same wow. person. And part of the reason yeah. why I'm not the same person is I have more tools in my toolbox, right? Mm. And so mm-hmm. you're the same way. It's like if somebody comes yes. to and talks to you and says, I have a child that's ill, or I have a family that has cancer, or I'm doing through this. I get it. You have yeah, empathy, right? You can say, hey, yes. I have been there. And, yes. you know, you know, to my earlier little teasing about being a vegetarian, I get that point too. I I have lived a very, you know, quote, clean life. And yet I've had really Mm -hmm. bad things happen to me. And sometimes that's confusing. Like, gosh, these other people are committing crimes and I'm over here paying my taxes. Why is this happening to me? I've been there, John. Right? And so, (laughs) but it gives you an ability to have empathy and and help people. Was that your point? Like that, that, that connectivity that's helpful. Is that right? Yeah. So John, you know, let me say, someone asked me recently as a leader, um, what would I say one of the greatest traits are of a leader? And the thing that came to mind for me, first and foremost, John, you ready for this? Go. The trait that I think any exemplary leader should have is the trait of compassion. Mm-hmm. And I find, John, that it is almost universal for me that when I meet folks like you that are at great places of leadership who pour into the souls of others, I find behind that person that there's a story. And I find oftentimes that it's a story of adversity and resilience. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean when I say don't waste the season and cast it aside as a bad season in your life or something that you just wish wouldn't have happened. Because oftentimes it's that very season that gave you the rocket fuel to be the person that you are today. So you're literally a, a living example of what I'm talking about in the book is that the fact that there is value in every season. And if we could just have a mindset to understand that every chapter of our life ties into the entire fabric of who we become and the stories that we tell, um, then you're able to cope with what happened and not just cast it aside as just an evil omen or something accidental that happened to you. Um, You're able to celebrate all the different seasons of your wholesome life, whether it's sweet, sugar, jagged, or smooth, you see it as one wholesome life that's worth living. That is so beautiful. We got to wrap up here in just a minute, but I, 
I wanted to just, just affirm this, all of what you said, and, and, and particularly that last point, in that I hear you saying that sometimes we have a hard season and what we might think is just just plow through it. I'm just going to plow through it. Instead yeah. of learning that there's beauty even in the tough times, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you got I, it. I think you about my, my favorite people in the Bible is Old Testament Joseph. And, you know, the guy goes to prison for crying out loud. You know, he gets falsely accused mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> And even in prison, he was doing good work, which helped yeah. him get through that process better, right? Yeah. So he didn't yeah. just lay back. He was like, hey, if I'm going to be in prison, I'm going to get it done. So um, Beautiful. Uh, then Beautiful. Tanya, you, we're going to wrap, but you're, but you're healthy? Your health is good? I, I am healthy, fit as a fiddle 15 years later. Um, I'm really using the Mangalicious Life as my platform to tell my story, um, not just of a lady who overcame, you know, adversity, but a story that I think is now relatable to so many people that are going through their own seasons of adversity. I hope for anyone that is listening or anyone that would read the book um, that this gives you the renewed hope, the spark that you need um, to just have that reset and to realize that your life is not over. You know, you may be going through something that is so hard right now and inconceivable. I want my life and my story to be a testament to the fact that your best days may just be ahead. Well, you... <laughs> this just may be the pivot point for someone who is listening that's about to go from good to great. And I want you to know that there are better seasons ahead beyond your season of adversity. Well, Tanya, you give more hope and wisdom and inspiration and compassion then Jamaica's got mangoes. That's what I want to say about you. Wow, boom, right there. <laughs> well, Tanya Wilson, you are my friend and an inspiration. And thanks for what you're doing for the real estate community. And thank you for what you're doing for all of community. And I encourage all of our listeners to go out and read the book, Living the Mangalicious Life. This has been John Crossman, The Crossman Conversation. And as always, support your local HBCU. This has been Crossman Conversation. Produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production.